Hi, welcome to Kids Verse, a podcast created by Kids for Kids. I'm Lily. And I'm Evie. And each month we talk to people about their jobs. This month we're talking to Grace. She's a nurse at the Royal Melbourne Infectious Diseases Service and works with the COVID-19 patients. She also has recently recovered from contracting the disease. In 1346, the Black Death or Plague devastated Asia and Europe. It was considered a pandemic and some people believe that it wiped out over half of Europe's population. The plague was spread by fleas on infected rodents. The plague returned in the 17th century and some people believe that eating crushed emeralds or a pickled onion every day before breakfast would keep the plague away. And this was before social media and all of the fake news that's around. This podcast was recorded over the internet so there may be some audio issues. We acknowledge that we are on the lands of the Wurundjeri people who have been custodians of this land for thousands of years. You've only recently recovered from having COVID, so thank you for doing this episode with us. What was it like and how long did it take for you to get better? Hi, everybody. So because I'm a nurse, um, I do different kind of shift work. So at the time that I got sick, I was doing night shift. So you're often very tired anyway when you're doing night shift because you're awake all night. So initially I thought it was just feeling tired from doing that but then I had a sore throat and I went and I got tested and it came back 24 hours later that I was positive. So from there until uh, maybe two weeks I wasn't feeling great. I kind of felt like I had the flu and then it probably took me another three weeks after that to really feel better the way I felt before I got sick. So I just felt very tired um, and slept a lot. Uh, and that's what my body needed. So some people can get, get better a lot faster than that. Some of my colleagues who have had it have been back at work two weeks after getting it. So it really depends on the person. What is COVID-19 and why do they call it coronavirus and COVID-19? So COVID-19 is the name of the illness And what it is, there's actually seven coronaviruses um, that have been identified. One is MERS, so that's a Middle Eastern respiratory illness that you actually catch from camels. So if you're ever in the Middle East, don't go riding camels. Um, And there's another one called SARS, and that was in Asia, um, I think, around 2002. So that was a similar one to what we have now. Um, a respiratory illness. And then there's four other coronaviruses, actually, and they are just, they kind of cause something like a mild cold. COVID-19 is the name of the illness, but then SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus. Um, And they're called coronaviruses because under a microscope, it looks like uh, a crown or the little spikes look like uh, the solar corona around the sun. So that's why it's called uh, coronavirus. And the COVID-19 is because it was identified in 2019. What do you do on the Royal Melbourne Infectious Diseases Service? I'm an ANUM on the ward, so that's an Associate Nurse Unit Manager. So that means I'm in charge of the, of the ward in the shift that I work. The 
ward is specifically designed for infectious diseases. So um, there's 14 single rooms and two shared rooms, and they all have something called negative pressure. And it just means that the air in the room doesn't come out into the corridor, it gets sucked out into the atmosphere. So we're, we're on the very top floor. We get lots of different infectious diseases on my ward. We usually, we only have COVID at the moment, but usually we can have things like TB, which is a bacterial infectious disease. We can have chickenpox or the measles. We're even trained for Ebola, if you've heard of that. Uh, but luckily we haven't had any of that touch wood. So we get lots of different infectious diseases and, you know, there's loads of different reasons why we get infectious diseases. They can be bacterial, they can be viral or even fungal or sometimes parasitic. So sometimes people from countries with uh, not very good drinking water might have worms and we, we help them get rid of those kind of things. So it's very interesting and it's never the same. Do kids get corona? So kids can get corona, but very, very small amounts do. I think the last statistic I saw showed that only of all the people in Australia who've gotten coronavirus, only 4.5% of them have been kids. And they tend to have much milder symptoms. So, so it's good to be a kid at the moment. You're very lucky. And it seems to be that maybe your immune systems are very strong, so you don't get the same illness that older people might get. So keep being a kid. It's a good time. I saw my mum get the corona test done and it was gruesome. When I had to get it done, I got really scared, so the doctor let me do it myself. What do you tell kids who are scared to do the test? Um, I've had a few of them myself now, and I also... Um, perform them on patients. So I know that they're very, not very nice. The good thing is, yes, they don't last very long. Usually takes about 15 seconds is what we're taught how to do them. So if you can close your eyes and, and think of something, something happy, something good, maybe your mom will buy you an ice cream after it. And you can think about that, you know, and also we don't have to put the swab so far up your nose anymore. They've decided that's not necessary. So it's not quite like the brain tickle that it used to be. It's just a little bit up your nose, and, and that seems to do the trick. So I think just close your eyes, think of good things, and it will be over before you know it. I didn't get an ice cream. Oh, well, next time, but hopefully there won't be a next time. Uh, each time I am hearing all these stories about how people get to do the test themselves but then each time I had to do it they had the doctor did it and it hurt and my mum said that on the news there was this new one where it was just on the tongue where you had to spit somewhere so then when she asked if if we could do that for me the second time and apparently they didn't know about it so we didn't do that way but it was on the news they should have known we haven't really been using the saliva one either, only because um, we've been told that you need 30 milliliters of saliva, which doesn't sound that much. But if you've ever seen um, a shot glass, that would be filling that up with saliva. And that's quite a lot of saliva 
um, to try and, <laughs> and try and muster up. But if you if you feel like you can't do the swab, I'm sure that some places are going to uh, let you do the saliva test instead. Is this virus going to be with us for a long time? We keep having to go back to remote learning. Yeah, so that's a hard question to 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 answer. Um, and truthfully, I think we'll probably be living with this virus for a while yet. You know, you mentioned the plague at, in your introduction. Um, and just over 100 years ago, there was a massive worldwide pandemic called the Spanish flu. And that left a lot of people dead. But then in the 1930s, they came up with a vaccine. And if you've ever had the flu vax, it's something that you have to have every year because the flu... Uh, mutate so it changes every year so we have to kind of keep up with it the coronavirus luckily for us doesn't mutate very fast so that's very reassuring that when they come up with a vaccine it might be good enough um, that we just have to get one shot but even if we had to get a coronavirus shot every year that would probably still be okay I think the scientists are working around the clock at the moment to develop better treatment and a vaccine. So if we even get better treatment, then we won't have to go back to remote learning because I know it must be very hard not to be able to see your friends and go to their homes. And I'm certainly feeling that way too. But hopefully, I think in the next year, because they're working so hard, we should have some kind of answer and some kind of treatment and you know what you'll look back on these days you'll talk to your grandkids about living through coronavirus and it'll be in the history books and you're living history at the moment so it won't last forever my mum showed me a picture of cats wearing masks during the spanish flu pandemic why is it important to wash your hands and wear a mask masks are very important you don't even realize when you're speaking that little droplets are coming out of your mouth all the time, even if you don't realize it. But sometimes, you know, you, you do notice if someone's talking to you very close and little bits of spit land on your face, it's not very nice. So masks are just an extra barrier to stop those droplets coming out of your mouth because the virus can't travel on its own. It needs something to cling onto. So what it clings onto is the little droplets that come out of your mouth when you speak. Masks do an okay job of protecting you, but what they're actually doing is protecting everyone else around you. If you have the coronavirus, you are protecting. So it's it's a good thing to do to protect your community um, to wear a mask. And for the same reasons, that's why we wash our hands, because if those little droplets are on surfaces, and then we get them on our hands and then we scratch our eye or we, you know, wipe the hair out of our face. Then you've, you've introduced it close to your face and you're, you might be introducing it into your system. So that's why we have to wash our hands and we have to sanitize. We have to wipe down surfaces a lot more than what we're usually used to. But it's all to stop that transmission of the virus to other people. So I probably wash my hands about a thousand times in an eight-hour shift before I touch a patient, after I touch a patient, after I touch anything, I wash my hands. So my hands are quite dry at the moment. Vivian Millie from the UK wants to know how 
when you go to the toilet with all your personal protective <laughs> yes so this this is something that takes planning when i need to go to the toilet i so we have what we call a donning room that's where you put all your gear on that's outside the ward and then we have a doffing room which is where we take off all our gear so if i need to go to the toilet i go into the doffing room i do hand hygiene and then i take off my eye shield and then i do hand hygiene and then i take off my head cover and then i do hand hygiene and i take off my gown and my gloves and then I do hand hygiene again. And then I leave the ward, and then I do more hand hygiene. I change my mask because I'm wearing an N95 mask on the ward, and then we wear a surgical mask when we leave the ward, and then we do more hand hygiene. And then finally, I get to go to the toilet. So that takes about 10 minutes, um, and I usually would have a drink of water then, and, and grab that opportunity. And then I go back and I do that all in reverse again. So it usually takes about 15 minutes to go to the loo. <laughs> but, you know, every, every two hours we get a 30-minute break on the ward. So because it's very hot wearing all the gear, it's kind of like wearing a plastic bag all over your body so you're sweaty and you might have an itchy face and you might, you know, you need to go to the toilet. So every two hours we get a 30-minute break because otherwise we'd be pretty dehydrated and probably develop kidney stones as well. What do you want to be when you are our age? Well, I had to think about that, and I remember I wanted to be a vet because I always loved animals, and I still do. But unfortunately, I didn't study quite hard enough. <laughs> So I didn't manage to do veterinary, but I did for maybe a year I was a veterinary nurse. So, you know, you're, what you want to be when you're younger sometimes works out and sometimes doesn't work out. But unfortunately, I, I used to get too upset when I was a veterinary nurse. So um, I ended up leaving it and I became a people nurse instead. <laughs> Thank you for letting us do the podcast. You're very welcome. <laughs> Lovely talking to you girls. Thanks for listening to Kids First. Tell your friends all about it. You can contact us at kidsfirst.com.au or via Twitter at kids underscore verse.